Hello everyone and welcome to issue 538 of the Canaan Rinse podcast. In this issue, we will be covering Resident Evil Village slash Resident Evil 8. And joining me, Joshua Garrity, is Brian Edwards. I plan on being the Moreau of this podcast and I'm not going to explain that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I want to know, uh, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and Leah Hayduk. I do kind of want to know, but um, uh, we, we can talk about that later. Yeah, that can be a personal, <laughs> private conversation between you <laughs> and Brian. Chip on Slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what is Resident Evil Village? Well, it is a first-person survival horror game. It is the eighth entry or the eighth core entry in the long-running Capcom series, Ethan Winters is on a quest to save his baby, and he doesn't care how many hands he has to go through to save her. A um, <laughs> little bit of behind-the-scenes here, people. Brian actually wrote the notes uh, for this issue, uh, and that was the first time I read that uh, out loud. <laughs> there, aren't, uh, um, there aren't any other stealth jokes uh, Josh, I, I promise that it was right up top. That was the that was the one. So I mean, it's accurate good, good. though. He uh, <laughs> spoilers. He loses hands. There's a lot of hand related trauma in this game. Let's go through the usual uh, uh, info dump and giving credit where credit is due. Um, so this was developed by Capcom. It was published by Capcom. Um, the director. Uh, for Resident Evil Village, promoted as they were the designer on Resident Evil 7, is Morimasa Sato. Uh, lead designer on this, um, also promoted, was just a designer on 7, is Izemo Hara. Artist on this one is Tomonori uh, Takano. Uh, writer... Anthony Johnson. Um, other credits include Dead Space and Binary Domain. Ooh. And the composer is Shusaku Uchiyama, um, who has actually been involved with Resident Evil since the director's cut way back <laughs> on the PlayStation 1. Um, wow. So he's, th th he's been heavily involved uh, with Resident Evil right from its inception. Um, and has also done some stuff for Devil May Cry and the Mega Man series. That's that's really interesting, considering the huge juxtaposition between the music of Resident Evil Village and Devil May Cry and Mega Man. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy's got range. Yeah, yeah. Prop props, props to him. Um, and it was released on pretty much every platform that could run it. It was released on PS4, PS5, Stadia, Windows operating systems. Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S on May 7th, 2021. Uh, there will be a release on the Switch on October 8th of 2022, this year as of recording. And uh, there is a not-so-firm release date for the Mac OS version uh, for this year as well. So, uh, critically... Uh, I think it's fair to say it reviewed very well. Um, Open Critic has it at 84%. Metacritic has it at 83%. Um, in terms of user reviews, also, um, I, it, I think the users pretty much reflect what the critics are saying as well. 
Uh, Metacritic has an average of 8.4 from its users. Steam has an overwhelmingly positive with just over 53k uh, uh, reviews submitted. And IMDb has it at 8.7 with uh, 4,800 reviews submitted. Um, so I want to pass it over to our panel to talk about their histories. And Brian, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, yeah, I was on uh, the Resident Evil 7 podcast, I believe, last year, maybe the year before um, that we recorded. And I have a, you know, like a lot of other people have a long history with Resident Evil. My first one was two on the N64, which, of course, is the best version, as we all know. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, but, yeah, that was a console I had when it came out. It was my first experience with Resident Evil. And I've kind of been kind of been invested since since then. Uh, I went back, played the first one. I played every every entry since more or less um, to completion. Um, uh, as far as my history with Resident Evil uh, Village, I was a first day buyer on Xbox. I believe I had an Xbox One X at the time this came out, and I was very excited for it um, because uh, Resident Evil 7, as I wouldn't shut up about on the last podcast, is my favorite Resident Evil. So uh, mm. the the follow up to that first person, another Ethan Winners game, I was I was down for whatever they're going to throw at me. So yeah, I was picking up day one and. I think I I think I beat it. I looked at my uh, achievement status yesterday. I think I beat it the next day. I think I like two sessions. I kind of played through the game in, and uh, my initial completion time was about nine and a half hours. Uh, I've been back twice. I uh, replayed it again because uh, we'll talk about it a little later. You can do some unlocks and get some weapons for the next game. The game kind of has its challenge system, and then I was I, I I mean I came down to the wire on a third playthrough. Um, I I j ten minutes before this recording, I just beat Heisenberg again. So I'm like just right at that finish line. Um, uh, for beating it for a third time, which I honestly after this conversation will probably do <laughs> this evening. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was was down for it from day one. Cool, Leah. Yeah, I uh, kind of similar. I have a bit of a history with the Resident Evil series. I was also on the Resident Evil 7 show. My history didn't start until a bit later than I think a lot of people's did. I didn't play the early entries really up until maybe 4. I, I can't remember if I played anything prior to that or not, but I don't think so. And then, you know, I went back and played the other games in the series. And since 7, of course, we've gotten the remakes of 2 and 3, which has kind of kept that in my mind, I really enjoyed both of those as well. And for eight, I think it was either maybe the second or third game that I bought for my PlayStation 5 when I finally got my hands on one of those. So it was pretty close to release. And I went through it almost immediately at the time. I don't think I beat it in two sittings, but it, it wasn't that many. It's not a super long game, which we may or may not touch on. But uh, I think I think my time for the first playthrough was probably somewhere in the 10-hour range, so pretty similar to Brian's. And I did do a complete playthrough again for this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I, I cranked it down difficulty wise for my replay i think i played it on normal the first time. I, I did play it on normal the first time and then for the replay i cranked it down to easy because i just wanted to like gleefully hack through stuff and it was <laughs> actually a lot of fun to do it that way so um i did complete that uh maybe two weeks ago ish and yeah that's that's where i am with eight at this point 
I didn't, my current playthrough isn't on easy mode, Leah, but I was able to unlock infinite ammo for the grenade launcher, so oh, it's nice. pretty much on easy yes. mode, so it's <laughs> been a counts, lot of fun. I think. Yeah. <laughs> there are multiple easy modes, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Player-driven difficulty setting. Yes. Um, cool, so I, I'm a big fan of the Resident Evil series. Um I've I've pretty much played every yeah I've played every single core entry in the series. There are the, there are a few uh, spin-offs that I haven't touched, but the core entries I've touched every single one. Um, and it for me it's one of those series where uh, w- when you weight weight my favorites against my not so favorites. The favorites actually outnumber um, the not-so-favorites, which is pretty rare for a long-running video Hmm, game series. Usually, um, you know, they go through long periods where just nothing in the series is really hitting. Um, Whereas this one, like, there are a couple of games that I'm not a big fan of, but the rest I really am. Um, Seven was really, I think, most people would agree, was a return to form um after a bit of a a bit of a not so stellar period um which included 5 and 6 um and um i i like 7 a lot but i think it loses momentum towards the end and but i was really excited to have that foundation for capcom to build off of um and then obviously resident evil 2 remake uh came out before this game and if anything's going to instill you instill confidence in a developer's you know a developer's ability to you know further expand and exploit what they did done previously it's that game like resident evil 2 is just a phenomenal piece of work um so i was really excited for this and and everything about the uh, visual iconography that they were pulling from. I I love that they were just going goofy gothic horror. Like I love that they were just go. Let's take a swing. Let's just, you know what? We've done zombies. We've done self serious like you know plague esque horror. Let's just put some werewolves in it. Let's go. Let's just <laughs> let's do it. And um, I I admired the courage of that. Um, and also. You know, Resident Evil 4 is, like, easily top 10 favorite games of all time. And the fact that this game was drawing so much from um, that game in particular uh, really helped my excitement as well. So I was day one on this, and I I ri- must have rinsed it in a week. Like, I absolutely stormed through it. Um, I played through it again on New Game Plus, um and i i for this recording i got past scary baby uh spoilers spoiler warning by the way for anyone <laughs> listening to this um i got past scary baby and uh and paused my playthrough there um so yeah um and i played on normal difficulty and i've played around with mercenaries mode um but beyond that uh i've mainly stuck to the uh the main campaign cool so resident evil village uh returns to the first person perspective uh following two entries two remakes that uh went back to the third person resident evil 4ish uh over the shoulder style combat um 
how do you two feel about that? Um, that you, you know, using the first person perspective, does it change how you view the threats in the world? Does it give it a different atmosphere? Um, how does it compare for you to the the remakes that use the third person camera? I think that they're so I I wouldn't say that I have a huge difference or a huge um a kind of preference for one over the other, but it it is interesting that we are coming back to this, like you said, Josh. Like it's it is something that kind of we we were taken away from for a little bit to go back and and now this is I think pretty much the first resident I mean they are they are all linked right they're all related they all have overlapping characters they all have um kind of the the um settings and uh, scenarios that you hear about but this is really the only one that in my opinion is a direct direct sequel I know that it's technically technically the other ones are but like this is the first time that I can remember playing a Resident Evil game where if you had not played the one directly before it you would probably be pretty confused because there is mm, so yeah. much that is just directly tied that the, the plot rather than referencing it the plot hinges on it and that I think is the the biggest difference to me and being in a first person mode kind of kind of hooks up to that just because it, it it you know it is the the only other one that has been this this first person uh thing with the same protagonist and the same kind of scenario that you're doing here so yeah i i it it helps for sure i, I don't think i mean i play a lot of horror games and like whether it's in first person or not is not like the defining factor, but it, I think for sure it does help here. I I love it. I I loved it in seven. Um, like I said before, I would not want I to think, play this in VR. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I I played seven in VR, and I will say uh, it again. No. Like I gushed about on the on the seven podcast. Maybe my maybe the most engaging video game experience I've ever had. I I dig it, and I think the reason I like it so much with the pedigree of Resident Evil is that after five and six and five is a game I played the, the ever loving, you know, crap out of. And six is one that I played once and will probably won't return to, but having that change and then to see that change kind of adopted and then to see what new ideas they would come up with in that style to not just abandon it after one game was exciting to me. So it does, it does make a difference to me. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that I was, gleefully playing through Resident Evil 2 remake in a third person perspective. I just I like the idea of rather than resting on what has worked just trying out new and different kind of ideas and and seeing how they how they play out worked pretty well for me. So I I was pretty excited about it. Yeah, for for, for me it's it's a trade-off um the different perspective. I think what you gain in first person is uh, a claustrophobia a sense of really being in someone's shoes and also a better sense of scale. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think you sell Lady Demetrescu's height in the same way in third person as you do in first person. She towers above you in this game and she's intimidating in a way that even Mr. X in Resident Evil 2 is not. 
Um, and it also reminds me of Alien Isolation. Like, Alien Isolation is scary because you get a real sense of the scale of this monster versus you, a puny human. Um, but what you sacrifice is visual feedback, is visual uh, information. Um, and it's why I ultimately prefer Resident Evil 2 Remake and Resident Evil 3 Remake as a play experience because lining up my shots and also being aware of other enemies around me is far easier when you have that superpower peripheral vision that third person gives you. Um, I think the combat in 8 is tighter than in 7, mainly because... I think there's some been some work on enemy design rather than the, the player character themselves. I think it, the, the player character that like they've done some tweaking to make the shooting feel a little bit tighter, uh, but it's really like the the enemy feedback, the 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 the, the mold in in Resident Evil Seven, those generic enemies, they just didn't react in a satisfying way. Whereas these Lycans and uh, Demetresks, uh, hooded vampires. Um, do react in a satisfying way. Um, so yeah, I for me it's not it's not simple. It's more about what does the game want to achieve? What's the game's focus? And I think ultimately they made the right decision for this game. But very soon we won't have to compromise. Like you, you can you could choose whichever your preference is because uh, Capcom is going to be updating uh, Resident Evil Village with a third person camera in the not too distant future. Um, so I am curious to see what that experience ends up feeling like. Um, so let's talk about the setup for the game. Um, and it really starts on quite a brutal note. Um, so Ethan Winters lives in exile um, with, uh, with uh, his wife, uh, Mia, and their daughter, Rose. Um, at the start of the game, Chris Redfield, hero, saviour of us all, <laughs> Uh, de defeater of uh, Wesker uh, storms into the house and <laughs> seemingly murders Mia and kidnaps Rose and Ethan. The van mysteriously crashes and Ethan awakes in a creepy village left to his own devices to solve the mystery of what happened to his wife and daughter. Um, how did you two react to this opening? I, uh... I don't know what this says about me. Um, when uh, I carry the baby to the crib and came back downstairs, I'm like, something bad's about to happen. And then when she gets shot in the head, I was like kind of shocked. And then after she got shot 17 times, she tries to get up from the <laughs> ground and Chris puts another 12 bullets into her. I just started laughing because <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> is even happening right now? Because like it was one of those moments it's like, literal oh, overkill no. at that point. Or it looks like yeah. it is. Yeah, so she starts getting up, and I'm like, you're getting up from this? And that was just kind of the first step in a lot of the wacky stuff that comes up. Um, but yeah, it uh, it made a strong impression, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you know something's coming, but they kind of lead you to think that it's going to be something where Mia turns on you, because, you know, she spent a lot of the last game basically possessed, and she's get she's kind of snapping at you obviously some things are wrong she's concerned for their daughter they're both concerned for their daughter and yeah it it just when she i uh, yeah it's it's um it's quite the scene and it is um it's almost 
not even almost it's too extreme and too over the top to really be like upsetting like you know having having your partner murdered in front of you yeah obviously that's horrifying and that is something that i don't know that they would have been able to get away with in quite the same way but the way that it's pulled off is just so ridiculous in in how much it piles on that it, it i think that it works and it really does set the tone for this is going to be one of those goofy slasher like things that you know is it, not is not going to be incredibly serious um so yeah, I, yeah, I paid attention to okay. to her reaction for the first shot. The first <laughs> shot comes through a window, hits her in the chest, and she just looks down at it, looks out the window like, who the hell thinks? And then all of a sudden, the rest <laughs> of the bullets come in. It's pretty, it's uh, it's camp horror It's the kind of thing where me. if you yeah. look at it afterwards also, yeah. and you know what actually <laughs> is happening, like your second playthrough, if you're it's looking so, at her reactions, so you're obvious. like, okay, yeah. yeah. But the yeah. first time, it's just like, uh, you, I don't know, you think you might want to like, duck or something um yeah i i think so like the over the topness and ridiculousness of 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 it plus the lack of fanfare over mia's death like she's gone and there's like no goodbye there's nothing she's just gone right i feel like it's it's capcom sub you know subtly signaling to the player she's not dead like she's she's obviously not dead um and yeah like th that reaction of her getting shot and it's just like who who would dare do this to me that feels like a it, it felt like you, you get villain energy off of her in that moment um and so as you say Leah like second time through third time through it just becomes increasingly obvious that the, this was mother miranda the whole time again spoiler warning for everyone if you're still <laughs> listening to this uh spoiler warning um yeah so um to to lead us into the rest of the game i just want to read this piece uh from the forum from designer matt um before village the only resident evil i played was four i'd been intrigued by seven but too scared to play I love being thrown into Village's intriguing mystery, and the thick, unsettling atmosphere got me immediately. I had so much fun with this. House Beneviento, in particular, was just terrifying, and I almost, almost chickened out at that point. My favourite part, though, was returning to the snow-covered village time after time to explore. It's such a beautiful, detailed world, and I love my time spent there getting to know every corner. That's interesting because it seems like they didn't play seven, which was the one thing that I thought you would really need to do in order to enjoy this much. So I'm kind of <laughs> curious how many people did just go straight to eight without without uh, much prior experience or without that in particular. Yeah, I, I think you'd be surprised. I, I think yeah. um, because seven was a return to form, I think there was trust that needed to be regained with that title, mm. right? Mm. Um, so a lot of people came to that get. I mean, Resident Evil 7 was a commercial success, right? But I think um, it took a while for the, the wider culture to kind of cotton on to Resident, you know, the quality that Resident Evil 7 had. Um, whereas Resident Evil Village is benefiting from years at this point of Resident Evil is back, Resident Evil 7 is great, Resident Evil 2 Remake is great, Resident Evil 3 Remake is good, 
uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, you know, what I mean, like the, the, there was high, there was a palpable sense of excitement for Village in a way that there wasn't necessarily for Seven. I don't think. Um, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if um, Designer Map represents uh, maybe not a majority, but certainly a sizable contingent of people who've played this game. I think there's also something to be said for this is one of the few games that came out for both new consoles with new console versions. So if you yeah. had like a new console but didn't have a lot to play, be like, ah, oh, what the heck, you know? The, the, the heard the last one was good, so um, exactly. you might be able yeah, to, yeah. to just kind of take a chance on that. So the visuals, um, I the village is kind of the the first site that you're treated to. Um, what what do you two feel about like the visual inspirations for this place and 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 generally aesthetically? Uh, what did it evoke for you? I mean, it's pretty clearly drawing in that Resident Evil Four vibe, right? Like, there's <laughs> yeah. even a section, if I'm remembering correctly, where you just basically kind of have to hold out until the the bell goes off and everybody goes away, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess they know which one works for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. The village itself is the the titular village, if you will. Um, I I think that it works pretty well. It's 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 one of those things where everybody speaks English, so you know it's it's uh clearly that's fine. But um, yeah, it it feels pretty natural to have some sections kind of closed off or broken down to a point where you have to find an alternate route or you know what whatever the case may be it doesn't feel too artificial to find your way around these places and have mm. to uh kind of maneuver in some situations rather than just kind of walk straight up to one or the other house and uh, and walk right in i i really like the fact that they they kind of picked a style and went with it um yeah it it does feel like a village specifically feels like a village where like where a cult has been living for a while so you know th things yeah. kind of break down they just kind of stay broken down because there's not that many people there there's not a lot of um pro a lot of upkeep happening um i uh i think that kind of the interiors of the village houses do kind of run their course pretty quickly um it remind me a little bit uh weirdly of playing the original dying light where the insides of every house kind of felt the same, you know, you knew what corners to look for the cabinets and what drawers to check to see if they open, things like that. Um, but as far as the outside of the village, I, I think it's I think it's striking. And there's that moment very early on when you kind of go through your first pass of the village and you're at the church and you're making way up to the, like the the home where all the villagers have kind of camped out, and you're walking through that that field with the scarecrows kind of looming over and just kind of having that thing like oh my gosh like this is like they they're they're nailing a vibe here you know it really feel like it's that middle of nowhere no helps ever coming spooky very resident evil 4 type of vibe for sure i, I want to touch on before we move on from visuals uh, i want to touch on the the unique identity of each space um does anyone have a particular favorite in terms of like so you know, Castle Demetresque, House Beneviento, Moreau's Swamp, Heisenberg's Factory, like of those four areas, which one spoke to you most in terms of the uh, art direction and visuals? I would say pers personally, I think Lady Demetresque Castle is probably the most interesting. Um, I, I really kind of like that. 
Um, she's managed to create this very fancy, very well-kept castle um, that also has a blood basement for some reason. But um, uh, I, probably the most visually interesting, though, is Heisenberg's factory. And I think it just has so much... It's like it, you really do feel like you're walking into a like an old iron smelting plant that has just been like you know adapted to make werewolves kind of thing. Like it's it re, it feels industrial, it feels mechanical, and even though some of the elevator stuff and maybe some of the design of it, the the gameplay design, I'm not overly fond of. I do think that like when you're walking into there after coming from the previous three areas you do get this feeling that things are getting serious now. Like that you're going to be fighting some pretty dangerous creatures. And I think that the, the combat in that area, cause the game gets a lot more combat focused at the end. Like a lot of resident evil games do. Um, you kind of know that you're walking into some serious situations. So I, I'm not sure it speaks to me the most, but I definitely felt it probably the most when I, when I walked in for the first time. Yeah, I think, I I think probably it's for me somewhere between the first two areas, so between the the Dimitrescu Mansion and uh, House Beneviento. Um, the Dimitrescu Mansion is just interesting visually because, like, it's so it's so baroque. Like, it's it's got like a lot of tiny little details that you might. It just it seems very out of place to me. Because mm -hmm. I, I, it, it has so much richness and detail, and for the most part, it's not, it's not a spooky old mansion in the way that, for instance, the the Baker farm and the Baker yeah. property is like a spooky old house. Because there, it's there are things that are worn down and and you know visibly aged and maybe a little uh, in need of repairs. The the Dimitrescu mansion. I don't know who they've got in there, like housekeeping for them, because I don't think the mm -hmm. daughters are doing it. But yeah, I well, when there's you, you find those diary pages. It seems you like do, they but like those they people are to, they uh... are they are in barrels in the bottom <laughs> yes, of the yes, house by now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it everything appears very well kept. You know, it is it is a a mansion that that nobility. Or you know a, a a kind of aristocratic set in life would probably be fine with, and it's and it's got you know vampires in it basically. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's I think that it's interesting because it just feels like it's so well articulated, but it's also not at all where it should be. So th there's that. It's not not really expected. And then the Beneviento house is just interesting because, well, primarily it's because of the um, kind of the main puzzle of the area, which is the the doll, uh, the kind of wooden doll of Mia that you have to basically solve before you can progress. And I, I really liked how that whole thing played out and and yeah. kind of what you, the, the way that they constructed that section and put that all together really worked out well for me as well. I, I think Castle Demetresque is is the standout for me. Not not just because I think it's the one that has the most attention to detail, but it's also the most unique within the series itself. Like, yes, we've had like elaborate mansions, but nothing that felt this ornate, this yeah. like seated in cultural history. 
um, in the way that uh, Castle Demetresque does. Um, the other location, like House Beneviento is great because of the incident within it. The actual house itself feels kind of par for the course for most horror games, right? And, and Resident Evil. Um, Heisenberg's factory, we've been in factories, we've been in labs um, in the Resident Evil series before. Like, it's a very well-executed version of that, but I've I've seen it in this mm, series yeah. before. Um, but yeah, and Castle Demetresque. Not one of us has mentioned <laughs> yeah. Morrow. I was going to say, Moreau is clearly the weakest area. It's a cave like, I, that goes into a swamp. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's appropriate for what it is, but... It, and it's, I think it does fun. a good job selling his character, uh, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, I, yeah. yeah th- there's not a lot, like kind of... Yeah, they're they're just kind of pushing you through that area in a number of of interesting yeah. or maybe not so interesting ways, but yeah, not a lot going yeah. on for sure. Um, what we're gonna do is, um, in a bit, we're gonna talk about each character um, individually, and I think it makes sense to talk about their gameplay function um, as and when we cover them. But uh, let's cover the kind of broad strokes of the gameplay um, first before we dive into those characters. Um, so structurally, um, Village is quite different from uh, Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 took uh, a similar approach to uh, Resident Evil 1 um, in having that one location and kind of having like a Metroidvania-esque progression. Um, this, to me, feels much more like a hub-and-spoke design, uh, so you have the village as your central area that you keep coming back to, and then you go off to the castle, go off to House Beneviento, go off to Moreau's cave, um, <laughs> and then and then come back. Um, so it ends up feeling a little bit more linear, but there's still secrets to discover, hidden paths, optional content um, that you can get access to uh, with different items. Um, it reminded me a lot of Dark Souls 2, honestly. Obviously not to the same scale. That game's 40 hours long, and this one's a, a nice brisk 10. Um, but in the same way, that game can... It's just like a bicycle wheel that you keep keep coming back to the mm-hmm. center. How did, how, did, how did you folks feel about that change of structure, change of design? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of alluded to this previously but i i liked i think that it fits really well with the type of gameplay that you experience in each of the different areas that you go to because it's not i mean it, obviously it's the same basic mechanics but there's a different sort of style and a different um just general setting in each of them so not only are you progressing through different areas just as the game goes you're also separating them from each other by actual physical distance in the maps you know you 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 can it it is it's almost like a world map uh that you can go you know one direction and you're in the spooky cave and you go the other direction and you're in the scary house and you go the other direction and you're with the vampire big lady and Mm -hmm. you know it it i think that it it almost gamifies it a little bit more than some of the other games because it's it's set up as these clo- 
not even closed off because like like you said josh you know there are bits that tie it together and you, you do get a little bit of the metroidvania aspect in the village itself but it's it's they are distinct and the the places where they cross over are not where you're going to spend most of your time so i think that separating them like that actually helped to kind of get your head around the fact that you're doing different things in these places than than maybe would have been the case in a different game like seven for instance right um yeah i i you said dark souls 2 josh what it what it immediately referred what uh reminded me of was uh high roof field and ocarina of time um yeah it's kind of having those spokes same idea um i i do kind of like it it gives you the sense that you have choice without really having choice because those gates are very clearly like I can't I don't know how many more things you could add to that key to make it into another key to it's like it's a two winged key now it's a two winged key with a fetus on it and then now it's a four winged key it's like uh, and then it opens up the door to each next boss in the order they want you to go through them so it's not like you have agency but having the ability to come back with whatever new tool you've picked up uh, whether it be hey, I just finished Moreau's thing and I have this crank that opens a mechanical door. I remember one of those near house, uh, you know, Beneviento, so I'm going to go back there. And I, I do like that. It, it felt a little bit more um, friendly to exploration in the way that the Resident Evil 2 remake very much did where it clearly became, you could see on your map, what houses did I not actually collect everything in yet? And where are the places there were a lockpick or a well that I could go get stuff from? Um, I, I, I did really like... appreciate the map. Can I just yeah. say because yeah. I am terrible at remembering where things are. So, like, like you were saying, Brian, if there's yeah. a spot that I needed something specific and then I get it, like I'm going to go through my map and be like, okay, well, here I need I need to turn this room blue or I'm not leaving. So, yeah. um, <laughs> let's just keep going. Yeah, I feel like that's worth highlighting. Like, um, uh, game designers. This is one of my favorite maps in games yeah. in terms of yep. like information conveyed to me the player vital information uh please copy and paste like yeah. I just um I I really like this game controls map is not great um and I wish it had something like this 100%. I wish it had the visual clarity of something like this It was interesting just because Coming back to that village, you would always find something new to find. And then, or, for example, you'd go back to the Duke, and he'd be like, hey, I cook food now. And you'd be like, I wondered why there was a chicken icon on my map. And then you could go over there and, <laughs> and, and get the ingredients and stuff like that. It, it was, it just seemed to have that one more thing to do every time I came back that made me excited yeah. to get back there. Um, it still had the typewriters, but it was generously auto-saving in my progress, so I didn't feel the need to run back to a save room quick or anything, but having that village as the hub really did kind of give me that sense of, there's a reason I'm coming back here, let's look around, and you notice certain things, like some things in the world had changed, or like a tractor you had jacked up before had now fallen, so you gotta find another, um, route around, but you just got a new key that opens up the iron door so you can go through that way, it, it's... It was kind of, um, it felt like I was steadily progressing in the same yeah. space, if that made sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. a huge fan of that map, and, and I'd love to see it, um, uh, or something similar like that in this new Resident Evil 4 remake they've now announced and is coming out next year. 
Uh, I would love to see that in in that game because it would make that exploration just that much more fun. I have to assume it will be right because it's been in everything since seven. The, the yeah, I, it was. I knew it was in two. It, so. I haven't played three yet. It's still on my hard drive. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't played the three make yet. I, the, the the thing I like about the uh, the hub and spoke design is that you're never taken out of the world. If that makes sense, like you're like it's not discrete levels. It's not you know like with Resident Evil Four, you get that screen where it says here's your accuracy rating, here's your kills, and now you start the next level. It's just this continuous progression. Um, and knowing that there are little treats for you back in the village, little, you know, I I can get to the well. Like, it, it really helps motivate you to keep playing, which is why I think, like, there was some stat um, in some of the reports I was reading be- before this recording that said that Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Village was one of the most completed games of the year, of, the year of its release. Hmm. And I, I wonder how much that has to do with it, the... The design of just just keeping you in with no breaks at all, just like and and tempting you with these treats. I also like that that the village can suddenly become hot hostile um, out of nowhere. You think it's safe to just explore, and then a giant werewolf that you have to take down with you know grenade launchers <laughs> appears and and can throw you halfway across the map. Like I I like that they can take a safe space and turn it into a dangerous space again, that they have the bravery to do that. Um, and I like that there are like op- there are optional bosses yeah. that you can find. Um, there's the butcher off in his little cabin of meat. Um, and functionally, he's very similar to all of the the large werewolf dudes with hammers, right? But... He had a little bit of a unique pers- personality, and the fact that he leans over his shoulder and goes, huh? as you enter the room, yeah. it's just like, it's really comedic. Um, so yeah, and, and you're not going to get something like that from, you know, from uh, previous Resident Evils, right? You can't do that in 7 with its claustrophobia, and you can't do that with Resident Evil 2 Remake or, or 3 Remake, so... I appreciated those little extra flares. Um, yeah. So, um, Brian, you referenced the Duke before. Yeah. Um, the Duke is clearly another Resident Evil 4 reference, um, the famous merchant from Resident Evil 4. But I was glad that they didn't just do the merchant again, right? The, the Duke has his own personality, his own vibe, while you know clearly kind of uh, filling the same gap that that character did um i was initially a little bit worried about like some potential fat phobia um in the character's design and maybe there was going to be some like comedy or humor or, or at the character's expense right um during the game right i was actually pleasantly surprised that the duke was actually treated with quite a lot of respect as a character um and and it ended he up saves being you at the, at pretty the end of interesting the game, pretty much yeah 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 i, yeah, I thought did, he, the way he would um the way he'd kind of add narrative flavor after defeating each boss like you'd come back and you'd sell the crystal lady Dimitrescu, and he's like 
ah, Lady Dimitrescu, beautiful in life as in death. Like, he just, he's very calm about the fact that you're murdering all these people he <laughs> clearly knows and does business with. Like, um, and well, his... Well, there's, there's clearly something supernatural, maybe, about him, right? Right. Like, and I think there's there's a, maybe a throwaway line where Ethan says something about, like, who are you or what, what's your deal, you know, or where did you come from or something something along those lines, you know, and he just kind of brushes it off like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm just here. It's just me. Hi. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's I don't think he's a normal human. Well, I mean, neither is Ethan, but um, right. I don't I don't think that he is a typical character in that way. I think that there is something um somehow supernatural about him whether that's that he's you know immortal in some way or whether it's something else uh, we don't know and i would love it if we saw him in another game because we don't really get a whole lot of resolution with him other than the last time you go off he's like okay well be careful and then you don't see him again so right. i don't know i i would like i would like to know more about the duke he seems pretty awesome yeah um there yeah there's a lot a lot to him and and how he just kind of like where he pops up and it makes it he's such a huge visual striking character, right? Like you already mentioned, Josh, he's this literally larger than life individual. And but you'll just like you'll roll into like Lady Dimitrescu Castle or like the the Slice Gate or Slice Sluice Gate. How do you, I don't know how you pronounce that word. Sluice Gate. Sluice Gate. The Sluice Gate control room in Moreau's Swamp. And you just go in the back room and the Duke's there like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, like it's, <laughs> How'd you it's get up here, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like you said, Leah, there's clearly, um, you know, something going on supernaturally with him. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was just, it was, it was also kind of, you need kind of a friendly face, I think, in some of these games um, to kind of come back to, even though you're not really sure what his motivations are. Like, you, you, when, you, when you were around the Duke, you knew, you, hey, I'm probably not going to get bit in the neck from behind right now. So. so, the combat obviously takes a lot of its cues from Resident Evil 7. We've already talked about the first-person perspective. Um, I think it's fair to say that the game is much more action-orientated than Resident Evil 7 was. Um, there's an increase in enemy variety over Resident Evil 7. The lichens kind of replace the, the molded as the default um, enemy, but you've got various ghouls, vampires... Uh, even even in Demetresk's uh, castle, some flying vampires up in the up in the rooftops, um, and you you do have a lot more ammo. You do have a lot more variety in terms of the the weapons you can employ um, in this game. Um, how do you two feel that impacts the play experience? Do you, do you prefer it? Do you, do you think it's weaker due to the the increased action? How, how how do you feel like this refocusing and redirecting of this uh this res this style of play impacts the game? I I mean I I guess I tend to prefer more of a slower paced puzzle oriented resident evil but i'm not anti action uh, i i think that it it fits where it's used here and you do get some of the like slower and and more more puzzle oriented things in places like house beneviento and uh, in certain parts of the the village and and even some parts of um the the factory towards the end and 
yeah, I, I think that it actually balanced pretty well. I, I didn't, I don't think this is an especially difficult game. Now, that said, I only did play, the highest level I played on was normal, so I, I, I imagine that if you go up to the, the Village of Shadows difficulty that you unlock uh, after beating the game, I, I guess it's just once, um, it's probably pretty brutal. But I I didn't find it too taxing or frustrating to get through, so that's the kind of thing that would normally maybe throw up a block for me, and I didn't feel like that was an issue really for uh, for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did seem to just give you more options for handling situations, and that that was really welcome in the later half of the game for sure. Um, I, I that first that first Lady Dimitrescu Castle, the Dimitrescu Castle, Castle Dimitrescu, excuse me, um, did feel more like a traditional, almost like Resident Evil Two style of of sequence, and you're making your way through the house, and you're you're getting different items and and ammo felt pretty scarce at that point and and you weren't really sure how the economy worked like i know in these games like i'm always a hoarder with everything so um like even if a combat encounter i'm like i used too many bullets and i didn't shoot them in the head enough times i'll go back and i'll reload and try it again um but you, you find pretty quickly once you get back out in the village and you've been to the duke's shops in multiple locations that yeah this game's probably going to provide you in the room that you need it with the things that you need um, yeah. and, and I, I, I find that a welcome change. Now I'm sure that a lot of people that are into the more survival aspects of survival horror might not have felt the same way, but for me, it was definitely a welcome change. Cause I'm kind of there to see the, like the over the top crazy stuff. And I'm a little less interested in the, you know, management of, of item scarcity. Yeah. I, I think the game gets the balance, right for most of the experience for me like what what i was after was the resident evil 4 sweet spot which is every combat encounter is tense every bullet matters but as long as i play it right uh i can down every enemy i don't have to run past right. every enemy and i think you know uh castle demetresque and most of the village sections, um, and and to be fair, Moreau Swamp as well, I think gets the balance right. I think there's a section of the game that is just what I call the lichen slaughter, where yeah, you just yeah. go down a hallway and kill hundreds of these things. And it's at that point where it feels like a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. And then they make it even worse with the spoilers again, where you take over Chris Redfield and it might as well be a Call of Duty game at that point. Yeah. Uh, because the enemies are just going down so easily with the, the firepower that Chris brings to bear. Um, I just wish the game had had the confidence in its convictions to keep that balance going Although the in, the, in the game's defense, it is pretty sick when you get a literal tank. That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about the characters and kind of expand on their specific roles within um, within the game. Um, but but before we do that, um, let's uh, uh, let's hear from our forum. Uh, T Bone two hundred and fifty four says the real highlight of Village for me was the characters. They're campy, over-the-top, and excessive in all the right ways. It seemed everyone fell in love with Lady Demetresque, 
when she was initially revealed, and rightly so. She's wonderfully designed. But I think Carl Heisenberg, Donna Beneviento, and Salvatore uh, Monroe, and the Duke are equally as impressive. Personally, I think the Duke is my favorite character design in years. The weak link for the for character design in Village comes from Ethan Winters himself. He's pretty much just a generic dude with all the personality of a 2x4. <laughs> I mean, I think that they were actually pretty good about not giving away the important story beat, which, I mean, I guess we can talk about a little bit, is that Ethan is a mold man. He has been yes. dead since he... Human Ethan has been dead since Jack got him at the very beginning of Resident Evil 7, which is why he can use all of these kind of health potions and, and things to... I, I mean, I, I could not... The first time I played this, I could not believe that they actually gave an in-universe explanation as to why this works and, and not just, well, it's a video game. Like, they actually gave it an explanation, and I thought that that was actually kind of impressive in a weird way. But almost more impressive is the fact that I don't think any of that really came out prior to the game being launched. Like, you you might have seen some stuff about the hand things and, like, the the almost making it a joke that, yeah, I mean, this, this stuff really can do anything. Look, it can put your hand back on. But, I mean, there's a reason for that the whole time, and they never kind of brought that out. I think it was actually a, a pretty decent uh, surprise, for me at least. I, I actually, like, I, I think... This game does fumble um, some of the storytelling, sure. um, uh, like especially towards the very end. But I do actually, like you say, Lee, I, I kind of respect the bravery of holding off on that, even at the risk of looking silly. Um, like just, yeah, I just trust the audience to go with it, and then we'll explain it later. Um, I will say with Ethan Winters, like the things that are interesting about him are just purely like what happens to him and what like what he fundamentally is rather than any kind of personality he conveys at all and and look Resident Evil doesn't have deep compelling characters right like Jill Valentine's not a deep character Leon Kennedy's not a deep character but they Says have you. <laughs> <laughs> but they have there's a there's an iconic visual identity to those characters that kind of overrides that part that critical fac faculty right like Jill Valentine has a look like blue is her color she 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 has an aesthetic Leon has that weird haircut from the nineties that no one will ever have ever again because it makes you look like a pedophile. <laughs> Um, we call but... we call that the Nick Carter stateside. That's a <laughs> that's a Backstreet Boys joke for all the fans out there. I got it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but what what does even Winters have? A beige hoodie. <laughs> um, it's like I I he doesn't have that same kind of iconic visual identity that some of his uh, Resident Evil protagonist peers have. Um, but he's made of mold. Yep. Uh, so that's enough. Yep. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, uh, Mia doesn't really 
factor so much into this game in the same way she she did in seven um how do we feel about her i i don't speaking honestly i don't have much to say about mia beyond what we've already talked about at the opening yeah um, i don't either she's... i mean she apparently everybody knew about this mold thing except for ethan so um well actually no i i don't think chris knew, knew either um until the end but yeah i mean that's that's kind of her her uh role I, I, here I mean... is to be like no he's made of mold he can't die this way and that's I guess you don't really want to tell a guy that, like, you're not actually the guy that you think you are. <laughs> you're just mold that imagined they were this guy. It's very much like an Alan Moore Swamp Thing scenario. <laughs> yeah. It, like, would have given him a complete existential crisis. But, yeah. I'd keep that, I'd keep that one to myself, I think. <laughs> I would just, Dave doesn't need this. Doesn't need this in his head. Um yeah, um, and then there's Rose. I think the, the the most shocking thing about Rose is the reveal that Rose is in pieces. <laughs> um, like, yeah, and they uh, don't freak out about that nearly enough for, for my liking. Like, your child has been put into four separate containers, and you're not really concerned about how that's going to work out for her. Um, he collects the first jar, wipes grime off it, and it just says, Head. It just, and he just and he drops it in the snow. He's like, "Oh my god!" And that was like all the. He's like, "Well, I guess I got to go get the other three parts of my baby." Like it's wild, absolutely wild. So grim. It's so grim. <laughs> but like again, in that over the top way where you can't re really register how tra traumatic that would actually be. Um, oh god. Okay, so here's uh, here's a question for you guys because this is something that I hadn't really considered. Do they ever explain why they have to divide her into four pieces if all they're gonna do with her is make her the reincarnation of Mother Miranda's baby? Like she has to get put back together eventually, either way, right? Vi vid video game. science. I mean that, that <laughs> question mark. All right. I just wanted to know if there was something that I missed, and it doesn't sound like there was. So good. Thank <laughs> no. You. Um, it because it's a clever MacGuffin to have to have you fight all four of those people. <laughs> number one, video yeah. games. Number two, yeah. science. Vi Got it. Okay. Video, video game. Video game. Um, yeah. So let let's uh, speak. You know, segueing off of that point, uh, let's talk about uh, those four uh, lords. Uh, starting with Lady Demetresque. Um, I'll just start us off with uh, one piece from the forum. Uh, Seth says Lady D the Lady D section of the game was incredibly fun and had the frenetic feel of both Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 2 Remake. Sure, it was a little short, but the quality of the environment, the enemy design in this section was incredible. You know you've made a great level when people are desperate for more of it. Um, we've already talked... Um, a lot about Lady D. We've talked about how much we like um, the visual identity of Castle Demetresque. Um, I will just add on to this that I think the sec the section of this where it is you versus the daughters with uh, Lady D chasing you like uh, Mister X uh, from uh, Resident Evil Two Remake is mechanically the highlight of the game for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think having the the constant tension of the near instant death that uh, uh, Lady Demetresque represents 
plus the fascinating mini puzzle bosses that the the daughters represent uh, when they corner you in sections of the castle. I think it's thrilling. I think it's like just really, really well designed. Um, uh, and like like we've said before, these 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 characters, her daughters, have are just bursting with personality and fun. I I, I really love Lady Demetresque's section of the game. Yeah, it it's probably the the high point. If maybe tied with uh, House Benavienda for but for completely different reasons. Um, I think. This is where I felt most like Resident Evil 2, which is the highest praise I could probably give uh, a game, you know, like that. Because, like, even even those rooms you wander into and be like, why would they set up this elaborate five bell puzzle that 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 requires me to shoot out a window of the house? Like, this is and they left a note for me to how to do it. Like, that's crazy. Um, I I love that stuff. I, I think it's it's just it hits that old Resident Evil. Uh, feel so well and I think it's a great opening section of the game because of that I also love the way they treat her because they talk about her as a vampire like man blood and all that stuff but she managed to like maintain her like lady like persona which is very uh that's that's very she's essentially lady Dracula right like Dracula is this horrible monster that sucks the blood out of everybody but he always shows up in a tux and a cape and is like well well quaffed well crap like there's something about that old school vampire lore of like that part of the part of the ruse is how put together they seem on the outside. I, I love that. I love the, the, those references to kind of old vampire stories in that. I think I think it was great. Um, she's there's a reason that we talked about her for as long as as we did and, and still do. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, she's. She's very recognizable. She's very uh, charismatic, and she kind of has—I I would say she has one of the kind of stronger identities in in the group of uh, of antagonists that we see in in the game. I she like—I don't know. Maybe that's why they used her for so much of the. Well, I mean, I I think we know why they used her for so much of the marketing, but I I, I think that's that's part of it too. Is she just really? She is very. Uh, she's very complete as a character, if that uh, if that makes sense. She mm-hmm. she she's very well thought through, and then when the whole thing cracks and she becomes this big weird dragon thing at the end, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, I I love the visual spectacle of that fight. I think it's a little bit uh, disappointing, uh, you know, compared to what came previous. Um, Lady Demetresque in her human form is way more intimidating than the weird dragon thing that she ultimately becomes. This is going to be the weirdest comparison. I apologize in advance. Oh, I can't wait but for this. Th- that fight is so much like the final boss fight in the original Banjo-Kazooie, the Gruntilda <laughs> boss fight. It is, because you're fighting on this rooftop, and then it's like close combat battle, and then they fly off, and you got a range battle. They come back in, close combat, fly off, and it just feels to go on for just a little bit too long, and there's just a couple things that happen within it that just make it... It feels like a, a unfortunately typical end to a very atypical character and an atypical sequence, Um and uh, and yeah, and uh, of course, I'm making the banjo kazooie connection we all knew about. We've been thinking about it for an hour and a half, so um, I'm just glad to be <laughs> yeah. the one to finally break the ice. 
Well, we appreciate your uh, your sacrifice there. I Thank guess. you. Your bravery. I don't know. I um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else they could have done to kind of wind up her section because I don't think that fighting her in her human form or humanoid form, whatever, uh, would have worked that well because mm. we've already done that with her daughters and she is obviously suppose, yeah. way more powerful a of a character and, you know, has more, more um, kind of to do with the story than they do so i i, I mean you, it had to be bigger somehow i don't know if this was necessarily the right way for for them to make it bigger but mm. i i don't think that just fighting her one-on-one -on -one would have really been satisfying it also to make another super dumb connection all of her daughters have serious sarah jessica parker from hocus pocus vibes oh that like, yes and no, that, that's that what sure. they, when, when they, she leans <laughs> and she's like man flesh i literally went amok 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 like it was it's just <laughs> it's so that, that that energy that it was um it, it really just their interactions all really worked for me that whole the whole set piece and then like ah that bloodbath that you have to drain and then you go down into the blood sewer like it just it that yeah. that that castle has so many layers um it, it just playing through it for the third time quite literally yesterday was just a, it was just a delight i mean just a delight it's so well paced as well right yeah. like it just it's so dense of incident and you're just really smoothly taken from one moment to the next it's just yeah pitch perfect pacing um to finish out on lady Demetrescu, i'm going to read uh, three more pieces from the forum and Patreon. Um, Global Saturation 89 says, I was disappointed with House Demetresque, uh, given that a lot of the advertising showed the infamous Lady D slicing Ethan in two whilst scores of sub submissive men lapped it up. This section was relatively short, or your time being chased by Lady D fairly negligible. I thought there was potential for her to be as imposing as Mr. X from Resident Evil 2 Remake, but alas, she only really acted as a minor inconvenience as I hid behind a plant pot, waiting for her to get bored and wander away. I also thought her interactions were very scripted, and I very quickly came to learn that once I had completed Action X, she would come through the door to make my escape that little bit less easy. Given how popular she was and how much Capcom had relied on her to sell the game, it was a shame they did not use her more as a constant foil, opting for the charismatic and, in my opinion, much better written and acted Heisenberg to act as a protagonist before having you dispatch him, the true protagonist being shockingly or not so revealed. Um... Miri from Patreon says, worth it for Lady Demetresque and her fabulous giant hat. Hell yeah. <laughs> Maggie Robertson uh, deserves all of all the praise in the world for her performance and creating an instant icon. Finally, tall girls around the world have a role model and we, we can all aspire to. Now just need to find a huge mansion and a gang of gorgeous vampire babes. <laughs> I mean, listen, I am that. not tall, but I could wear a big hat. Like, uh, let's, mm -hmm. let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'll be your vampire, babe. It's fine. We'll figure this all out. <laughs> It'll be me, Rich, and Josh. We'll be your vampire daughters, Sweet. and we'll figure I it out. I have a coven. Excellent. Yes, you do. <laughs> Done. Sorted.
Great. It's it's good to have a plan for 2023 <laughs> already. Um, <laughs> Taz from the forum says, Later on in Lady Demetresque's castle, the game borrows the whole invisible antagonist thing from frictional games, but I don't think it's well implemented here. Those sections are very linear. There's no mechanic supporting that style of play. There's no way to distract or get around Lady Demetresque or her daughters that I could ascertain. I just ran into them and took a hit to get past them. They could have iterated on some of the ideas from the game's opening here, couldn't they? If the castle were a little more non-linear, like the village, and if some of the doors could be locked behind you to get away from the witches chasing you, I feel like that could have been a nice progression of I of those ideas introduced at the beginning of the game. It's as if different designers worked on different parts of the game in total isolation from each other. <laughs> yeah, that's telling us <laughs> weird. Funny, <isn't> that? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, the next section of the game, um, Donna Beneviento um, and House uh, Beneviento. Um, I'm going to start again with Seth. House Beneviento is a masterpiece. You could probably do an entire show on this level alone, and it was easily the high point of Village for me. At first, it felt like a recreation of the escape room section of Seven with added jump scares, but then it happened, and 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 I felt my heart try to burst out of my body. I find intensely scary games almost unbearable, but this part of the game had the right amount of scares and didn't drag on too long that I, it didn't absolutely destroy me. I hope Capcom have taken notes from the reaction to this section and are able to conjure up something just as horrifying in the next game. But please keep it short. Uh, I My feelings on House Beneviento reflect uh, Seth. Uh, for me... Um, you know, I I said Lady Demetresque was mechanically and gameplay wise the highlight of the game. House Beneviento is in terms of theming um, and the incident that happens here the most memorable section of the game. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about the baby. Uh, <laughs> the baby is very scary. Um, it's interesting because I've. I, I've seen differing reactions to the baby monster. Um, some people got full view of it straight away and just because of the reality of what it was, the fear was gone. But for whatever reason, I must have had my brightness settings set just right because I only ever got a full view of the thing. Like the, the moment you enter the elevator to escape and you see it, like close in on on the elevator door um my first experience of it is a hand coming out of the shadows and those two eyes staring yeah. at you from the darkness and i didn't i didn't take any time to oh what what's this creature over here i bolted yep. like i turned around and ran the other direction noping directly um, out of here yep yep yeah and the scene where you're hiding under the bed as it crawls around the environment and it's still cooing and ca like calling out to you, it's so unsettling. Um, just, 
you know, we were talking about the sound design earlier. This this section is a victory in sound design. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, it's over the top incredible. as well, but I think in this case, it's not an over the top, at least not on the first go around, that made me laugh at it. So when I when I have played Resident Evil games, the, the most recent ones in particular, the first time I play through it, I like to do it at night with the lights off. Um to get kind of the full atmosphere thing. And I don't always play the entirety of it that way, but I did this section the first time and, oh God, it was, uh, it had the intended effect on me. Let's say I was, yeah. uh, I was extremely unsettled, especially the part, Josh, that you were talking about where you're hiding under the bed and I'm holding my breath in real life, waiting for this thing to go away so I can run away from it. Yeah, yeah it was, it was awful. <laughs> I, I, I messaged Leah on the Caner and Slack last night as I was playing through this, and I, I just couldn't believe how effective it was even on a third playthrough. I knew everything that was going to happen. I even remembered the, the solving most of those puzzles and just couldn't remember, like, oh, I need the scissors first, then I can get, the, you know, like, all that stuff. And then it's just something about the, the silence of that area and the way that they portray, like, the loneliness and how how isolated you are from everything combined with that finish my wife watched, was watching me play it and it was the first time she'd ever seen it and she i can't repeat most of what she said on this podcast but she was very alarmed and very concerned uh for ethan's safety and then also and then the way that it finished just as kind of this crescendo of just just absolute horror um this i mean this is what like the first person horror perspective brings to this game for me is is this section it's just it's so effective on every level and the way it takes its time before it comes at you. you you're always waiting for it. You don't know what it's going to be. You watch the watch the film strip of crawling down into that well and then you have to go do that like in this very ring like setting. And it was just so effective at at making that tension last just the right amount before it just hit you in the face with that giant baby. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it just is, is an excellent sequence. And it's one of those things that you can't really repeat. And if you know, know anything about it going in, I'm not sure if it, if it would ruin it for you or not, because there's something about, it's like, it's like playing PT, right? You can watch all the PT videos you want, but when you're forced to turn the corner in that hallway with your own thumbs and your own controller, there's a part of you that's just like, nope, I'm just going to stand right here. I'm just going to stand here, and the bad things won't happen. And that's what this section is for me. It's just, it's just excellent. I think it's slightly disappointing. The ending of the section is slightly disappointing compared to the baby, um, the, 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 the great doll uh east you know easter egg hunt through the the top mm -hmm. part of the house um but i guess you've got to you've got to have some kind of boss encounter and this at least i think was a little more creative and a little bit more interesting than the giant dragon at the end of uh lady dimitrescu's section so. yeah stabbing a possessed doll in the head with scissors multiple times was certainly an interesting visual um <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah, it, it yeah, I don't know. That this section's hey, this section's real good. That's my that's my critical take. Hot Weird. Take. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Controversial. Um <laughs> cool. Um let's hear from a few more forumites. Uh Gadget Eight Bit says The Dollhouse. Well, that's where this game does its best work. Equal parts PT and Outlast. The game takes your weapons away, puts you in a puts you in the dark gets freaky as hell, 
with the atmosphere, the absolute triumph in horror set pieces. Sure, it's incredibly polished and ultimately one of the most staged sequences in the whole game, but man, does it stay with you. TP from the forum says, the standout set piece for me was the Dollmaker's house, which gave real PT vibes and I found genuinely creepy. The giant baby thing sounds like it should be comical, but it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> And my heart was racing as I tried to outrun it. Yeah, I uh, completely, completely agree about the PT thing, by the way. It, this is kind of the closest that that a game has gotten to that, probably, for me. And it's very unnerving. <laughs> it also had cool body horror stuff with the doll in the center of the room when you're, you're, you're controlling Chris's thumb and moving that eyeball around. It's like, oh, I'm, I, I'm getting weird just yeah. talking about it. Like, oh, yeah, it was good. Real good. Yeah, like like using the visual iconography of a autopsy without actually doing yeah. an autopsy is just like yeah there's something like really creepy about that contrast uh yeah um let's move on to everyone's favorite section of the game uh, <laughs> uh let's talk about uh, monroe um so uh, funnily enough we have one piece from the forum on Monroe. I think that's telling. Um, the Monroe section was forgettable, but acted as a nod to uh, the RE4 Lake boss fight. That's it. I mean, I think that's being kind um, of charitable to the Monroe section, but um, I mean, it's 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 not that it's bad. It's just that when you stack it up against the other sections of the game, it doesn't have that big of an impact to me really it's mm -hmm. just it's yeah. this big yeah. fr frog kind of thing that is gonna make it rain acid every once in a while oh no i th i think that that's the thing like it it's the play is still fun like you fight a few lichens in this area that's still fun like some of the environmental puzzle interactions you know that's fun it's just it just doesn't it doesn't have anything iconic in the same yeah. way that the the last two sections were. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it's generous comparing this to uh, the. <laughs> Not that the I love that uh, that that fish boss fight, but you know, it's it's not exactly this, you know. And no, it's yeah. just like most of this section is you just kind of jumping between wooden planks as the fish monster just kind of. Threateningly, threateningly goes through the same patterns over and over again. There's not that that Jaws-like feeling that you got from the giant salamander in right. uh, in Resident Evil Four. It just doesn't have. It doesn't evoke the same horror in the same way. Yeah, I I think this is a real fumble in the sense that I think Moreau had the potential to be the most the the character you could empathize with the most. Like he was mm. clearly just trying to please Mother Miranda, and he he had those some some dialogue sections that alluded to maybe a more tortured and interesting backstory that we just never got to 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 explore. Um, and it was very telling with the end of the section as after Ethan after you kill Moreau and Ethan, the literal dialogue line is, "Well, he died how he lived, weird," and that was it. <laughs> like you just got the key and moved on. That was the end of it. So, um, even. It almost felt like kind of a nod to that, but I, but I, I think there, there was probably some story stuff there that could have been explored a little bit better, but just never really took the chance to do so. 
Wow, we went, we got through Monroe as quickly as the game does. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, Heisenberg is next. Um, I'll read out both of the uh, both of these uh, forum correspondents um, before we talk. We talk uh, about our own opinions on him. Um, Designer Matt says, "For me, though, the game went off the rails after the factory section. Suddenly, it switched to being Call of Duty." and I was fighting a giant robot and calling in airstrikes, which felt like a different game. I saw it through to the end, but the story was a messy disappointment once it was all told. And Hyperdef84 says the Heisenberg boss fight on the hardest difficulty is one of the most frustrating game experiences I've had in recent memory, one that seems to depend on luck to win. If you don't happen to damage his limbs before he gets you, you're pretty much screwed, and it doesn't feel like you accomplish this by skill at all. The fact that the boss fight is a ludicrous tank battle is bad enough, but making it so unforgiving just feels insulting to those who like to play RE on their hardest modes, as that is usually the best way to experience them. Not so with Village. Um, I like some, the tank. Some though. harsh feedback <laughs> there was, on Heisenberg. At one of those you, other experiences where it was just absurd enough to to make me uh, to make me enjoy it. But there again, I I mean, if if you're someone who likes to play these games on the hardest difficulty, I I mean that's fine. That's cool. Um, yeah. Not generally how I like to do this. So um, maybe I, maybe that is the difference. Maybe that is um, how how they balanced it, and, and maybe that is an issue in that in that respect. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was funny that we got in a tank and beat up a mech with a tank in a Resident <laughs> Evil game. Yeah, <laughs> I I was thinking about this piece of correspondence when I when I was fighting Heisenberg today, and um, I could see how it happened. I was seeming to take damage from like a. Uh, from from areas where I didn't quite understand why or how or what I did wrong to not to not get there. So I'm sure if I was playing on the harder difficulty, I would have been frustrated too. Um, for me, much like you, Leah, and it probably because our personalities are fairly similar in some of these ways. The ridiculous nature of the fight made me happy. Like you're basically fighting a redneck Magneto, you know, who's building his own <laughs> mech tornado as you're fighting him. Like like I was into it, but then again, I tend to embrace the absurd a little bit more. And if you're looking for a traditional horror Resident Evil experience. This is certainly not that, for sure. Yeah, I... I like Heisenberg's section um, in a pure, like, wireframe sense. Like, I, I like the, the change-up in the enemies. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, yes, they're android zombies, whatever, but, like, the, the actual challenge of taking them down was fun. Um... I, I certainly enjoyed this section more than the section immediately preceding it, which was like the hallway of the hallway of werewolves. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just didn't have. It was attempting a kind of spiraling design similar to a classic Resident Evil. You know, ha like what what Lady Demetresque, uh, Lady Demetresque's castle was. But it just didn't feel as intricate. It didn't yeah. feel as dense. Um, and ultimately, because of that, while I much, much prefer this area to um, 
uh, to Monroe's area, and it has more personality than that. It ends up feeling like a lesser area compared to what we've seen before. Um, I was really disappointed that Heisenberg never got to use his hammer. Like, there's all this, like, build up with his hammer, like, the, introduce him with this cool hammer. They, you know, they have the, the you know, the Metal Gear solid esque gathering of the villains where they all mock you and he's playing around with his hammer and like can't wait to fight that guy with his hammer <laughs> never uses a hammer uh he just becomes a giant mech one of my um favorite kind of shots i guess you could say uh is is in heisenberg's castle or <laughs> castle in heisenberg's factory though and it's the bit before you actually start encountering the kind of mech dudes with the giant glowing weak spots on their chest um before you start kind of encountering them in force you walk by or you walk into a room and it's it's got like a kind of a screen up and you can only see the silhouette at first but it's the it's one of them and it's sitting in a chair and it's like deactivated or you know i, I guess you're supposed to think it's dead and i mean you you walk in and you look at this thing and it's just sitting there and you're like this thing's gonna get up like it's gonna get up and it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> attack me and you have to walk by it to get something and it never moves and it doesn't move until like you're almost out of the room and i don't know just that that particular scene was very horror movie classic for me and oh, uh yeah i i really appreciated that particular just minute or whatever it was that i was in that room i thought that was uh that was very well executed this section reminded me a lot of the final section of fi uh, Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, no, Resident <laughs> Evil. Yep. Final Fantasy VII Never is always on. on the brain. Another Kanan Rinse bingo card <laughs> gets checked <laughs> off there. No, Resident well, we Evil VII. We already talked about Dark Souls, so. Exactly. Um, uh, let's talk about frame rate for a minute. No, just joking. <laughs> um, they, uh, it, the end of Resident Evil Seven ends on a ship. You get basically like an old kind of tanker ship that you go and you kind of discover things. And it feels like what Josh was already speaking about, like it was supposed to be a set piece kind of set up like the uh, Baker house or like Lady Dimitrescu castle, but it just didn't, it didn't, something fell off. Like it felt like it didn't have the intricacy or maybe, maybe the environment itself didn't lead itself to, to lend itself to wanting you to explore and fight and to, to, to touch every nook and cranny of it. So it did just kind of fall flat in that regard. And maybe that's just the fact, like you said a, a while before in the recording, Josh, that we've seen this setting before, you know, we've seen the industrialized, factory setting and, and gone through that before so um it had layers of that and if but by the end even if i had a room 10 rooms ago or on a different floor that was still red i wasn't finding myself compelled to go back and clear it if that makes sense i was yeah. <laughs> so uh th there is a interesting little controversy um around this section of the game so um a dutch director called uh Richard Ramphorst um, accused Capcom of plagiarism. Huh. Uh, there is an enemy in uh, this section of the game called the Strum, um, but it, uh, you'll probably recognize it if I just call it the propeller head boss <laughs> yeah. um, with the chainsaws. Um, so basically, Richard accused Capcom of copying the design of a monster that features in his film Frankenstein's Army, uh, which has a hulking humanoid with a propeller head that is eventually taken down 
with fl- uh, an explosion of flames in much the same way as the propeller-headed boss, hmm. uh, propeller-headed enemy in this game is. Um, I don't know how that's concluded, that story. Uh, it seems to have just died down and there's not really any resolution to it. Um, Maybe Capcom I don't think this is a case of plagiarism. truck up to him and said, here you go. Possibly, possibly. Um, I, I, I mean, looking at the clip and then looking at the execution in the game, uh, there, there are examples in history where people just drew inspiration from the same sources and arrived at the same conclusion. Mm. And it kind of reads like this to me. Um, I, I don't know. I'll let the, the listeners decide for themselves. Like You can find the article on Eurogamer, um, and there's a clip of the of the boss and a clip of the, uh, the, uh, the moment in the film itself side by side. Um, for me, it it reads as an accident, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's there if you want to make your own judgment. I'm looking at Game Informer has an article about it as well that I'm looking at, and it has a side by side screenshot, and I could I could definitely see if you were the director of that movie and you were playing this game, kind of being like, what? <laughs> like uh, they look they look similar for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I I'll have to look that up. I um I hadn't I don't think I'd heard of that. Uh, particular comparison but that's that is interesting i i got a very um uh tetsuo the iron man vibe from a lot of the enemies uh i don't know if you guys know that but um i mean basically it's just machinery embedded in organic dudes so uh yeah we're talking about tony stark right yeah pretty much okay good yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i'm familiar I mean, he's got that thing in his chest you know <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the final boss, uh, Lady Miranda. And this is where, like, the story decides to happen all of a sudden. <laughs> um, after defeating these four uh, four colourful characters, uh, uh, we just get an exposi- uh, exposition bomb. Um, so uh, just to, to summarise briefly, it's revealed here that Lady Miranda has been uh, disguised as uh, Mia the whole time. So the beginning of the game, as we discussed earlier, when Mia's gunned down, that's actually Lady Miranda. Um, and Mia has been imprisoned the whole time. Chris Redfield goes and, and rescues her um, in the latter latter parts of the Almost game. Almost by accident, it's- which is kind of funny. He finds her and he's like, yeah. hey, Mia. Uh, oh, hey, you're here, huh? I was definitely looking for you this entire time. Um, yep. How about you just hang out here in this cell and I'll be back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you I, just I did kind of find that funny as well. <laughs> it was funny. Um, it's also uh, Lady Miranda rips out your heart and you have it. It's just there, your heart. And you're like, oh, Ethan's definitely not surviving this. And then it's revealed, as we discussed earlier, you're a big bag of mold uh, <laughs> this whole time. You're a moldy boy. Um, it's an interesting and... thing. It's a the the way that they present it when when she does, like you said, just literally rip your heart out. You you then cut to playing as Chris Redfield, and you don't actually realize that Ethan is not dead for a while, like however Quite long that while. section is. Yeah. Um, it's it's. Uh, it, it's a move. I don't know if it's if it's even a bold move, but it is a move for sure. I, I mean, I, 
I, I kind of respect it because yeah. my first instinct is, oh, Ethan's definitely not dead after that moment. But then after half an hour of being Chris, <laughs> it's like, wait, maybe I fight the final boss as Chris. Like, maybe this is the end game. I was mad. Um, I'm like, I spent all this time building up these weapons and doing all this just to play as Chris Redfield at the end. Yeah, but that gun Chris has is super good. I mean, good. it's good, but like, <laughs> if you're going to just dump us into that at the end, then why even bother for the rest of it, really? Can you imagine if we fought Lady Miranda with Chris Redfield? How much easier that would have been? <laughs> that, It'd be over in like two seconds. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it's disappointing. Um, to me, it reminds me of the, the end of uh, um, Resident Evil 7, honestly, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, because you don't really use the tools at your disposal. Uh, but um, it's also just because Lady Miranda is the least developed of the characters, and then that's the one you fight at the end. And that, that happens in a lot of games, you know, because they like kind of re- saving the reveals and the big bad to the end. But it felt like I had real, I had no context other than that she was the one that orchestrated the dismembering of my daughter. <laughs> um, like, I, I didn't really have any context for the why I should be afraid of her. Um, and the boss fight is, you know, has spectacle, but it's not, it just, you know, I would have appreciated, like, I would have even, uh, like, groaned, but appreciated, like, a boss rush with the spirits of the four others. You know what I mean? Something to call back to the characters that we actually spent most of the game with. But, yeah, that, that's, it was a choice, and um, and then the choice with Chris at the end, too. So, choices had been made. I liked some of the touches that they put throughout the game, like, when you are going through different houses in the village, and you find, like, the little, I, I don't, I don't know what they're actually called in catholicism but like they're pictures of like mary and you know except it's not mary it's miranda um you know just as as this holy figure kind of and you know you you find those in a bunch of different places you find um just like bits of correspondence and bits of paper and you know just random things that that reference her you find out that she's the kind of old uh woman like the kind of crone the village crone who shows up a couple of times, that's Miranda also. Like, there's there's stuff scattered around that I think is really well-placed. I just think that there's not... It, it doesn't hit hard enough. Like, maybe... I don't know whether that means that there needed to be more of it, or whether that means that, you know, they could have done something to, you know, just make sure that she was kind of top of the mind going into some of these places. But yeah, I mean, it, it, does, it does what I normally associate with being a JRPG thing, which is... Once you beat the real bosses, then you come up with this tree or whatever that is your real final boss. And, uh, and yeah, nobody, uh, it's not that nobody cares. It's that it's not, it's not, it's not what you were expecting. It's not what you've been dreading or, or trying to get in contact with this whole time, really. Right, right. Yeah, I, I feel like I would just be repeating what you two have just said, um, uh, it just feels like Lady Miranda, the boss fight, everything feels like it just didn't have as much time to coalesce um, in the same way that the other characters did. And she ends up being a bit of an anticlimax. Um, but, hey, um, there we go. Um, so th- that's Resident Evil Village. Um, so there is some extra content that's worth touching on. Um, so there is a mercenaries mode, 
um, which I've dabbled with. Um, personally, I don't think it's as strong as the mercenaries mode in Resident Evil 4 or Resident Evil 5, for that matter. Mm. Um, but there's some arcadey nonsense to get on with. Like, it, it, it feels a bit more fleshed out than some other extra modes in the more recent kind of PS4 era Resident Evil Resident Evil games. Did any of you two touch this? No. I did honestly, not. Honestly, um, I did not. I, I, I got a little burned on Mercenaries mode by the Mercenaries 3DS game that was released, and I, I just yeah. kind of haven't been back. Um, I, it's one of those things I'd like to check out, but it's when I, when I boot up the game, I just find myself wanting to, uh, maybe new game plus plus instead. It's just not my thing, really. I, I don't have a ton of interest in that kind of thing. And, uh, so I left it alone. I'll come back for the, uh, the DLC. You were mentioning before, Brian, about having a infinite ammo grenade launcher. So I assume you dabbled with the unlockable weapons that yeah. uh, become available post completion. Yeah, it's kind of cool. The game has its in like an in-game achievement list, um, a lot of which mirrors the actual achievement or trophy list. But um, but there's other ones too, where it'll just kind of reward you a certain amount of credits for doing different things in the game, and then you can use those to unlock uh, uh, items that can be purchased at the Duke. Um, like I, uh, the, the most recent playthrough, I had this cool silence, pretty powerful pistol that I was using. Um, and you can also unlock infinite ammo and, um, and for, for certain weapons and other stuff, um, that you activate kind of via the in-game menu. It's, yeah, it's neat. It's, um, it, it makes it fun to, re- to, to return to a game that I already enjoy this, but know the story beats of. So yeah, I, I, I mess around with that quite a bit. Um, it, it was they're they're fairly expensive. Some of the things you have to do as well, like are things I'll never be able to do. Despite my third time playing through the game, like one of their in-game achievements is like complete the story in three hours, and I'm like, how is that possible? You know, um, but but yeah, it, it's uh they've done similar things to this in the past. Um, uh, I, I'm specifically thinking of kind of the hidden unlocks in the original Resident Evil Two, uh, like the tofu unlock, I believe. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it, it was a fun way. You know, if you're going to replay the game and you just want to experience it again, it's it's nice to have those options to kind of make maybe the initial grind of it easier on yourself. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. Um, So there has been some DLC, which Leah um, alluded to earlier, uh, that's been announced. It is not out as of this recording, um, but to be honest... Given the content, it kind of feels like a uh, uh, Shovel Knight situation where the DLC might be owed its own issue. Um, So the DLC is Shadows of Rose, where you take control of Ethan Winter's daughter. Um, Oh, yeah. We did talk about the ending of Resident Evil (laughs) Village, where it flashes forward uh, to your daughter working as a secret agent essentially uh for 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 the government um but she has like weird supernatural mold powers hi i have a question um, so, um how yeah. do you mold people make ba- babies because he would have been mold when when mia got when pregnant right? well, well first a mold man and a possessed woman have to love each other very much okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. magic happens and the mold stork mm-hmm. shows up oh okay yeah. yeah. Well, that answers yeah. my questions. Yeah, that's how it works. 
Also, mold is really similar to sperm. Oh. Um, so... All right. Well, that makes sense. Also. <laughs> um, so well, I have so yeah, many jokes um, I want to make that I just can't make on this recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't know we were going to have um, to get clearance to pull a uh, to pull a Duke Nukem Forever. Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> So you take control of Ethan's daughter, uh, Rose, in this DLC. Um, it, it is in the third-person perspective, uh, and by the looks of things, it's not the usual kind of gameplay experience. It feels a little bit more uh, puzzle-orientated, um, and it really takes advantage of Rose's unique abilities. Are you too excited for this? Are you looking forward to the end of the Ethan Winters or the Winters family story the father's story is done now it's time for the daughter or whatever it is it says um <laughs> yeah no I I'm I'm very interested in seeing what this ends up being um I, as as we kind of mentioned um before we got off on a mold tangent um she uh, rose at the end of the game um much later she looks to be like a I don't know a young adult or a, an older teenager um they allude to her having some kind of power and they don't really say what it is, but she's apparently been training with Chris. So, you know, she's, she's um, under surveillance at the very least. And, you know, I, she's, she's going to have a different way to go through things than somebody who, you know, doesn't have some kind of um, extra power and just has to rely on the gun. So I, I mean, I guess it has to be in some sense, a different style of play. Hmm, but yeah. um yeah, I, I am curious to see what they do with it and I will uh I will be there uh I, if not day one, then pretty pretty close to it, I would have to say. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I played both DLCs for both story content DLCs for Resident Evil Seven and mm -hmm. um I I didn't like the one as much as the other. The one when you're where you're just uh Jack Baker's brother who can uh, has crystal hands and punches mold men to death. Stuff yeah. is is great. Is That's great. pretty all right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I was actually just they did some interesting things with those DLC. So I'm definitely going to give this one a shot because uh, to to see where where they where they think about taking it, and maybe it'll give us a little taste of what the next um, the next Resident Evil is going to feel like. So, all right. Let's finish off by hearing from our community. First, the forum and Patreon. Brian, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, Tolkien Taters from the forum says, I think Resident Evil Village is a good game that is hampered by its own attempts to recreate Resident Evil 4. For some background, I haven't played that many RE games, just Remake 2, 3, and 7. So I played RE4 for the first time shortly before Village released, and it immediately became my favorite Resident Evil game. I think that RE4 just set a high bar Village couldn't just couldn't quite reach. It does a lot well with a really memorable villain in Lady Dimitrescu, four pretty distinct areas with slightly different gameplay styles each time, with the dollhouse area being a real horror standout. I like the environments and definitely prefer fighting werewolves to boring mold monsters. But despite a lot of fun, fantastic elements, it feels like less than the sum of its parts. It's a good game, but it doesn't feel cohesive in a way that brings everyone everything together. The story is absurd and stupid, which is on par for Resident Evil, but it doesn't come together in a way that's fun. I guess the twists with Ethan make sense, but the attempt to make me really care for him and his fate fell completely flat for me. Village is a good game, but it just doesn't quite stand out, which is a shame. Steve Norman from the forum says, I've not been as hyped about a game as much as this one since the mid-80s. And while it's not perfect, it's definitely not Resident Evil 4, 
it was easily my game of 2021. Castle Demetresque is just draw-dropping to me, and while I could happily stay there forever, the rest is well-paced, occasionally tense, and almost always fun. And having just written this, I think I'm ready for playthrough number five. John Cheatham from the Patreon says, Resident Evil games have a tradition of starting strong, and Village keeps that up in grand style. The introduction to the titular village, caked in blood and frost, and the jaunt round Lady D's castle are S-rank resi, if I can use the series' own player rating system. At its best, this is about as much fun as you can have in the RE engine. In fact, the emphasis is on fun and capers for much of the game. The Duke's cheerful words, have a wonderful adventure, really sum up the game for me. Although I did think the visit to R-rated Magneto's factory at the end did a great job of providing the stress and tension you associate with resi, despite the fact I was armed to Ethan's moldy teeth by that point. <laughs> with hindsight, it doesn't always benefit from its very episodic structure, though, with the Beneviento house being a terrific set piece, but Moreau's region being quite poor overall, with some outdated lever-pressing puzzles that just feel artificial. Still, the largely brilliant environments and the outrageously camp and memorable lineup of baddies makes the game easily top half in the Resi canon. I'm looking forward to going back through in third person when the now annual Resi fix arrives in October. <laughs> Sage and Onion Knight from the forum says, I'll be honest, I think Resi 8 is possibly my favorite experience with a Resident Evil game. Having come to the series quite late, I've really come to enjoy what they seem to be doing with the series at the moment. As someone who played the games wildly out of sequence, I have no real interest in the specifics of the lore, but I really like, one, the beautiful unsubtle running theme of huge corporations thoughtlessly unleashing literal hell around the world, and two, how since 7, they seem to be using this convoluted web of lore as a jumping off point to explore different subgenres of horror. In particular, I thought the decision to explore the maybe more obscure subgenre of folk horror was really inspired, and really highlights the confidence boost that Resident Evil 7 gave to the franchise as a whole. The best moments in this game are a real masterclass in how games can get under the player's skin and build up an unsettling atmosphere, with moments of safety that feel meaningful too. As much as I wish the story as a whole could maintain that atmosphere, this was always Silent Hill's strength. I love what Resident Evil is doing with this new kind of inspiration. Based on the ending, I'm predicting now that Resident Evil 9 might draw on something like Stephen King's Firestarter. And finally, Ben Pollock from, pa from the Patreon says... Resident Evil Village is such a weird beast. And that's saying something for Capcom. It's confident, horrifying, utterly ridiculous, and has such high levels of camp that it almost transcends definition. It's a theme park attraction that takes inspiration from a bunch of other rides to create something that's quick, fun, and satisfying, providing you don't think too hard about it. As the game transitions the player's encounter experience from Dracula slash Wolfman tropes to PT-esque gothic creeping terror to an outlandish Wolfenstein Quake 2 Gaiden, and finally a Call of Duty onslaught, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was made by 12 different teams. But it is by design. The storybook opening gives all of it to you, right there. They clearly knew what they were doing when pulling this thing together, much like they knew what they were doing when they leaned into making Lady D such a core focus in the game's marketing. As much as I enjoyed Resident Evil 7, and of course the remakes, 
Village was a combination of qualities that I haven't felt whilst playing an RE game since 4. Most importantly, the game doesn't outstay its welcome. It's all over in 8-10 to 10 hours, which is just enough time for you to suspend your disbelief around just what the actual deal is with the incredible regenerating powers of Ethan Winters. P.S. The pod is being recorded on my birthday. Happy birthday! It's not your birthday not when birthday. <laughs> it's not your birthday when you're hearing this, <laughs> but happy birthday today in this time travel experience that we're having right now. Um, so let's move on to hear from our Twitter correspondents with their free word reviews. Brian, take it away. All right, Seth says, "Never have children." <laughs> Hyperdeath84 says, fun, but disjointed. Tolkien Taters says, not quite RE4. Keeping with the theme, Valentine Pillman says, Resident Evil Forgery. Org of Prophecy says, second best merchant. Ruben says, my town's weirder. <laughs> Dan Ormisher says, resident theme park. Ben Perry says, eager to please. Neil says, deserves a hand. Mike Bamford says, itchy, tasty, horny? And Mark follows that up with, step on me. Samuel says, uh, concludes Winter's story. And finally, Connor Hawk says, ah, giant baby. <laughs> the most terrifying nice. <laughs> of all creatures. All that's left is to give our summaries. Why don't you start us off, Leah? I think I think we're all on kind of a similar level with, with Resident Evil 8. I, I liked it a lot. I um I think that it was a good follow-up to 7, which I also liked a lot. And I, I had a really good time playing it. It it's it's kind of different for the series. Um I, I mean obviously drawing in a lot of aspects of things like Resident Evil 4 where there's a ton of inspiration um, that you can pretty plainly see. But uh, it, it just, it's an, I, when I say that it's an easy playthrough, I don't necessarily mean in difficulty. I just mean that it's kind of easy to get into a rhythm with it where you just kind of keep going. And if you, if what you want is to play a section and then come back later, there are some pretty well-defined sections that you can do. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, um, I, I don't know that I would su suggest getting into Resident Evil 8 as your first one, although it seems that a lot of people have done just that and had a really good experience with it. So maybe I'm I'm wrong there. But story-wise, uh, there actually is maybe for the first time, in my opinion, a connection that makes sense to uh, to recommend actually playing through. Or maybe if you don't want to play Resident Evil 7 for whatever reason, then, I don't know, read a wiki or something before you go into 8, just so you kind of know <laughs> where you're standing. But uh, yeah, I, I like this game a lot. I, I think that there are some points that are stronger than others. Moro, not so much, maybe. But even that, I didn't think it was a bad thing to play. It just wasn't quite as strong as some of the other places that, uh, that the story took us. So do recommend. Um, it's kind of one of those games that's on everything and is coming to more places. I think that the Switch release that's coming is actually going to include the DLC with it, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're looking for a complete package, then it seems that that's going to be a thing that you can get. And I I would say, yeah, absolutely play Resident Evil 8 and Resident Evil 7 if you haven't. Um, it's, it's a nice little, little combination there. 
and uh, I I had a good time both of my times through it. Looking forward to the DLC. Yeah, um, well, like Leah said, we're probably going to sound very similar. Um, I Resident Evil Seven for me is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, so I was very excited, but also knowing full well that it probably wouldn't meet the levels of enthusiasm I had for Seven. And and while it didn't do that, I really appreciate all the different things it did. Uh, I think it would have been very simple, or not simple, that's very reductive. It would have been uh, at least an easier decision to make to go with something very similar to Resident Evil 7 with this, because the same character, and, and Resident Evil 7 was was a return to form and the success. And they took some wilder swings with this. Um, like I, The pre-release coverage for this one, people were like, Resident Evil's going to have werewolves like people were getting like like preemptively mad about something they didn't understand uh because of the internet so uh so yeah it, the finished product that came out i think is is real good i enjoyed it i've played it through multiple times it's it's a very fun video game and i think it kind of speaks to where capcom has has gotten i think we'll see a little bit more or that'll be a little more telling with the release of street fighter 6 in, in next year but it seems they've gotten to a point where maybe understanding what makes the games that they make their beloved franchise fun to play. And I just, I I can't say enough about um, this game as far as like just the pick up and play nature of it. Just, you kind of get into like Leah said, a rhythm and, and the story beats hit and it kind of progresses you nicely paced from each area to area. And the areas that are weaker don't last for too long. And the areas that are great don't overstay their welcome. Um, It's, it's a, solid resident evil game and uh i was thinking about this that like the the transition from resident evil 7 to 8 could have been an opportunity for them to really fumble some success and it's really nice to see them put together a game that that i look back on fondly and and will happily revisit time and time again as uh as the years go by so yeah total recommend for me yeah i i i really like resident evil village um it doesn't quite break into the upper echelons of the series for me um i don't i don't love it in the same way that i love uh resident evil 4 i i don't love it in the same way that i love um the first uh resident evil remake um and i don't think it quite has in terms of level design the clockwork perfection of resident evil 2 remake um Having said that, the highs are super high. Um, we talked a lot of color about uh, Lady Demetresque's castle and um, uh, Benevent, uh, House Beneviento, um, and yeah, those 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 uh, sections of the game are some of the most memorable sections in all of Resident Evil. I think it's just unfortunately let down by a second half that's not bad, but just kind of tepid and uh bland in flavor um uh, compared to the first half of the game um so yeah i do recommend it and also also i'm really glad that capcom are promoting the 10 hour triple a experience um i've gotten a lot of open world fatigue recently um yes there are a few exceptions to that like i i really love Breath of the Wild, I really love uh, Elden Ring, um, but it feels like pretty much every uh, AAA uh, single-player game needs to be 40 to 50 hours long 
and have tons and tons of side content and tons and tons of collectibles and tons and tons of equipment for you to get. I really, really appreciate that uh, Capcom are making this deep Mariana Trench of an experience where, yes, you can't go everywhere and do everything, but it's 10 hours long and it's going to be dense of incident and it's going to, you know, it's well paced um, and it's going to be over in a flash. Like, I want more of this. I want more games with this level of production value that are this short. Please make more Capcom. Please make more the rest of the industry. Um, I, I just think there's a gap that isn't being filled. Um, so, and, and Capcom is filling it. So everyone else, get on board. Um, yeah, I like Resident Evil Village. So all that's left uh, for me to say is thank you, Leah and Brian, for joining me on this journey. I, I really appreciate it. Special thanks to Brian for uh, creating the notes for this issue. Uh, it was my job, uh, but life got in the way. So I really appreciate that, Brian. Thank you very much. And also thank you to Editor Jay uh, for uh, putting this show together and all of our correspondents uh, and you, of course, for listening to. Uh, next time in issue 539, is there a Switch collection coming? We don't care. We're going back to the GameCube anyways to talk about everyone's favorite bounty hunter, Samus Aran, as she morph balls her way through Metroid Prime.